Hello and welcome back to Real Time Strategy, a podcast all about the gaming industry. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Bozier, joined once again by my co-host, Caitlin Redwing. And today we're joined by special guest Danny Pena, founder of Gamertag Radio, inaugural Podcasters Hall of Fame inductee, and video game host extraordinaire. Danny, thank you so much for joining us as a as somebody who would call video game podcasting a hobby of mine or a passion of mine. This is a dream come true. So thank you so much again for coming on. No, no, thank you for for inviting me. Uh, I know we were having some technical difficulties before this, <laughs> but I, at least we're in here uh, making this happen. So I'm, I'm glad to to be part of this, man. Yeah, yeah for all of those who are watching, like you're we spent about 30 minutes, actually like exactly 30 minutes, just trying to get Danny's video to work and... He had to switch devices, so. Yes. Hey, but hey, there's always a way. There's always a way. (laughs) And I'm sure, Danny, you have plenty of uh, good on-the-fly, making-it-work stories to share from your podcasting and interviewing experiences. So we might have to get into those. Yeah, definitely. I have a couple. I remember... uh, the, my early days of podcasting, I remember when uh, I did like an interview with a developer for like a whole hour and we finished the interview and uh, I was like, all right, stay in touch. I'll send you the link once it's already available. And I looked, I forgot to press record. Oh, oh no. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't oh, a, no. a great experience. Every, but, every podcaster is like worst nightmare, which I think actually happened yeah. to us in one of our early episodes yeah. too. <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, no. We lost the whole but episode, see, yeah. Yeah, the second time that we recorded, it was even better than the first. So, you know, hey, hey. it happens. <laughs> it happens so. You knew the right things to hit the next time. Yes, definitely. Uh, well, Danny, before we get into Gamer Tag and your hosting career and all those good bits, we do like to get to start with a fun get-to-know-you question. Uh, so, sure. I know you're a huge fan of hip-hop, and I was thinking of like, oh, what's a fun question to ask here? So... In your dream game, what rapper or producer would do the music for it? Oh, that's a good one. That's like, it's, I have a bunch of rappers, but because uh, I, I played, uh, I'm trying to think of a game that had a lot of hip hop and, and producers, uh, DJ Hero, part one oh, and part two. Great game. Yeah. yeah. I had a lot of, had a lot of hip hop uh, artists and, and, and producers and DJs in there too. So, but yeah, there's like a, a totally new game. Man, I would love um, maybe Nas. Uh, there's also a hip hop producer, also a DJ. His name is DJ Shadow. He worked on DJ Hero. Uh, this other producer, uh, Dr. Dre. I think that would be a good one too. I think he worked at, he worked on the soundtrack for for a new DLC that came out for uh, GTA. I think That's, it was like oh, a two years I remember ago that happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was cool. That, I, Nas would be fun. He's a bit of a yeah. hot streak right now. Him and Hit Boy put out a, a game together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have another. They have another um, album that just released like a couple weeks ago and stuff. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm a huge Nas, huge Nas fan. Actually, I have a copy of his first album. Uh, they only they only made like a thousand of these copies, gold disc. And uh, what I've been trying to do now for like the past couple of years, I've been trying to get all the producers that worked on that album and Nas to sign this. I already have one producer already that signed my album and everything, my copy. But I seen Nas multiple times throughout the years because I, I used to be a hip hop promoter in my early days before I started doing podcasting. Uh, so I got to work with like Dev Jam and La Records and a bunch of other hip hop artists and stuff. So I'll see him and a lot of artists all the time in Miami when I used to live there and stuff. Mm-hmm. So and also in New York. But yeah, 
<laughs> that's so that's cool. Really cool. I, do you have, oh, I was going to ask you, you said you have the gold um, vinyl. Is it the one that was like, it's framed? Like it's, you know, how like sometimes they put the, what is it called? Oh, when they oh, go billboard, like gold. Oh, you're talking about yeah. like a gold plaque, gold platinum plaque? Yeah, no, no, or no, is it like the, nah. it was printed, it's just like a gold vinyl. No, actually it's a, it's a CD but it's a special case, wooden oh, case. Okay. Um, but inside oh, cool. the, the disc is actually gold. And inside um, there's like the booklet of all the the press releases and everything that that the label and his team used to use back in the days to promote his album. And it has like photo shoots and everything like that. So uh, yeah, I, the thing is with me, I collect a lot of vinyl and a lot of CDs and like rare yeah. items. Um, then it comes up with music and, and it's also especially gaming. I've been collecting that throughout the years. Like, if you, I, I don't know if you can see in the back, but I have badges yeah. of all the events that I went to from like 2001 to now, and I still have them oh. brand new, untouched. Oh, I see them now. Yeah. I thought that was honest to God. Like when it wasn't zoomed in full screen, I thought that was like, um, like a feather. Like, no, nah, no, nah, it, it literally looks like it looks like like a feather, like dust, not a yeah. duster, but just something, some kind of art piece. Um, yeah. No, I I also love collecting like collectors vinyls, which is why I assumed mm-hmm. it was a vinyl because I honestly forget CDs are a thing, and yeah, I don't own any CDs, but I really love collecting the vinyls, and I have um quite a few of like the video game ones and when oh Sam really was asking I have a couple you, yeah I've got I have, a, I have couple. a couple too they're oh, unfortunately stored away right now until I f- find a better solution to display them. Um, mm-hmm. But when Sam was asking you about what rapper, like who producer you would love to work on a video game soundtrack, this is a total cheat. But Metro's album for Across the Spider Verse, I loved so much, and I was like, "Oh I yes, would love that's a great to hear this kind soundtrack. of music in a yeah. game." Yep, it's such that would be oh, have, you know what? It's, that yeah, I think that would be the now. perfect that would be the perfect soundtrack for a game too. Yeah, because I love that soundtrack from. Uh, from the Spider-Verse. Really good soundtrack. Yeah. You- that's And Metro's just like, I could see him doing other things too with like mm-hmm. some video game soundtracks. He's a really good producer. Yep. I hope to see that more in the future. Like, I know they're completely different genres, but like you have the Barbie movie, which just came out, the Spider-Verse movies, these big blockbusters that do these bespoke curated soundtracks with like greatest hits of all these cool artists working right now. And we've seen a couple examples in video games, like Cyberpunk, I know, did a couple Run the Jewels tracks. And I forget mm-hmm. some of the other artists they worked with. Um, I know GTA sometimes, uh, you know, put helps fund some new original music. But I, uh, it'd be super cool if, like, come Spider-Man 2's launch this October, like, Metro Boomin has a bunch of B-sides that didn't make across the Spider-Verse releasing in that game. Yeah, you know, I... I when I first started my show, I used to have a, a segment, and this is during the, the 360 era, where you could put a custom music into your games just using like a flash drive you connected to to your, your console. So what I used to do, I have like a lot of custom soundtrack available on our podcast, just promoting uh, independent artists. And the reason I did that is because I wanted people to listen to the podcast through the console. So I have a music while they're playing and stuff like that. So one time, I think this was uh, GTA GTA 4 that came out for, for Xbox 360. We did a, a, a pirate station. 
where it was me hosting and we added a bunch of songs in there. We did commercials and everything, exactly like how GTA. And we had it for free for, uh, for people to download from our website. And we had like so many people to download it, put it on their console to play uh, the the pirate station while they're playing GTA, GTA 4 back years ago. This is like a long time ago. <laughs> but we, I was I trying to do something. You could do the custom yeah, radios but, in GTA. Yeah. Well, I never it, knew it, that. it was. It was only through the Xbox 360. You could just do that with any game, but okay. you could also do that to uh, the that game too because it was a spe- uh, feature that was available for that console. And I'm like, this would be perfect. I just create a fake sta- a radio station. People could just listen to it while they're playing the game. So, and it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> it worked out. Oh, that's so cool. So, Danny, you mentioned that was early in the, the gamer tag days, and you mentioned before that you were a hip hop promoter, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, back in when I was a teenager, this is b- during the days when I was in high school still, we used to uh, promote a lot of house parties. And then the record labels uh, got the attention like, man, this, these guys are, are really big in Miami promoting. So they gave me the opportunity to promote like their events. And, and, and I worked with a lot of music artists, too, during those days. So like uh, I worked with... Uh, with Wyclef, Wyclef's team, Karis One, a lot of old school, old school hip hop from like late nineties, early two thousands. So, but then like around 2000, 2001, that's when I stopped. Cause I was like, nah, this is not for me. I think I'm tired of this industry. So I love the music, love the culture, but my thing was always about video games. So I would like, uh, attend events in New York city and I would go to like, uh, an event. My, my first event was Sega net. Uh, they, were, they were promoting the online service for Sega Dreamcast. Yeah, that, so that was my first first event, and then after that was Xbox and and Nintendo. Well, they were promoting GameCube and stuff, so it went from there. And were you attending these events freelance on your own accord? Well, well, actually, <laughs> not freelance because this was me just experimenting uh, internet radio back in two thousand one. So I would just show up um, to these events and I'll tell, I'll talk to the, the team that's handling the event if it's possible for me to get a, a press badge, a media badge for me to, to like, cover the event. And they'll ask me questions like, oh, so, so what is this for? This is for TV, radio? Like, I'm like, well, it's internet radio. Because uh, at that time, it wasn't called podcast. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they will give me passes and I'll interview the the people that were handling the event and they worked on the consoles, both consoles, the GameCube and also um, uh, Xbox. And that's how I started getting my name out there, just attending events locally in New York. And then I'll fly out to like Los Angeles and go to E3 and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, that's how I got the word out. And then it helped me to be better at interviewing people too. Because at that time, I was super nervous uh, interviewing people. I was very, very nervous. But I got used to it after a while. So, uh, Danny, how, how did you... How long was that? Yeah. Let me put that in my, like, <laughs> timeline of when the nerves, like, stop. <laughs> Man, um, not that long. It, it, I think when I went to my first, my first two events, that's when I was kind of, like, not used to it. Because I, mm. I, I was already used to doing that in the hip-hop, the hip-hop uh, scene. I'll interview artists. Um, back then when I used to write for a hip-hop newspaper in Miami. But for some strange reason, I wasn't shy with that. I was more shy when it comes like the gaming side for some reason. I don't know why. And then I, <laughs> I, I just got better and and then it went away after a while. That's so funny, especially because 
I think oftentimes people say gaming doesn't have enough rock stars. Like we're still working on getting developers' names out there that isn't, you know, Shigeru Miyamoto or Hideo Kojima. Um, sure, sure. But that's funny that like you were comfortable talking with hip hop artists and then it was the the developers or studio folks that were tougher. How, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know why. I think because I, since I was a kid, I've always been a gamer, you know, uh-huh. uh, you know, playing the Atari 2600 in 1983 a year before nintendo came to the states um and ever since then i just became a fan you know like but with hip-hop i was never shy or i went to be like a lot of big artists like i, I sat down with uh with uh outcast with and this is like the early early days uh with fat joe i worked with dj Khaled back in the days you know nice my early days and stuff but I've never been shy at all with with the hip hop artists, but with gaming, I know it felt different. Like the one that really stood out to me was when Xbox invited me to their um, launch event, and I got an opportunity to meet Bill Gates. That's when I was like, okay, this is real. This is like yeah. not a joke. <laughs> I was very nervous. <laughs> yeah, that very, that's very a big nervous. one. <laughs> yeah, do you, yeah. Do you find um, this is just like uh, an assumption? But I feel like with when you have like big artists, and this also like applies to like actors as well, you're getting kind of this like public persona, like they're put they're playing a character essentially, and that's how I feel about like I don't know DJ Khaled and some other just like big names where it's like if you're interviewing them, you're still getting like this character, and you kind of already know and expect what you're going to get from them. Whereas like I see a lot of dev interviews, and just because of like the nature of devs, they're just they're more like i don't want to say down to earth but it's not so much this like public persona that they're putting out and it's more of just like them and so i to me i feel like it would that would make me a little bit more nervous because you're not sure what to expect when you're interviewing someone like that compared to someone who's i guess really familiar with being out there publicly yeah you know you're right um because here, here's the thing with me, and this is what helped me to become a better um, interviewer, is I like to have a conversation with whoever I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing, right? At least give me like at least five minutes or so pre- before mm-hmm. we record. You just I get the vibe. And plus, I, uh, especially for developers, because a lot of them are very, very shy. I like to get them comfortable. And, and and even in the beginning, right before we start, I'm like, hey, look, we're just having a conversation. This is not no clickbait or anything like that. So um, that's something that I've always been doing. You know, so, I, so for example, and this is not a developer or anything like that, but I remember CD Projekt Red gave me the opportunity to interview Keanu Reeves, right, for, uh, for mm-hmm. Cyberpunk 2077. And I was the only gaming... I don't know, creator, journalist, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But uh, I was only, from the gaming side, I was the only one interviewing him, right? And everybody else that was also interviewing him was uh, all, like, mainstream media. So, like, uh, CNN, NPR, uh, BBC, right? So, talking to him, we were just having a great conversation. And I asked him a question about... about, um, you know, how was it being on stage, you know, having a uh, at, during E3 at the Xbox press conference and seeing the fans going crazy while he was there, right? And he he got really into it. He was, like, super excited to talk to me. And we just vibed. Like, the whole conversation was yeah. really, really cool, right? So then later that day, I got an email from, from his team and also from CD Projekt Red 
they were like, Danny, out of all the interviews, it seemed like this was the your interview was the one that he had like the best time because you were asking different questions and if and it felt like more of a conversational type thing instead of like an interview. So Keanu mm-hmm. opened up a lot more, you know. So originally I did that interview for for Telemundo, so I did it in English. And I also had to re-record my questions for in Spanish for Telemundo. But I used the English per, uh, portion of the, the interview for, for my podcast and the rest, I just gave it to Telemundo for them to air it and stuff. So, but like stuff like that, I just love having conversation. I did the same with Reggie, Reggie Fizeme, with uh, Peter Moore, that uh, he used to be president at Xbox, EA, EA Sports. Also, he was the one that launched Sega Dreamcast back in 1999. So I interviewed him multiple times throughout the years, right? But I... I contacted him when he left the industry. He was part of uh, the, he was a CEO for Liverpool in the, the mm-hmm. UK, and uh, he was out I think with the team. And he actually called me to do the interview, and we talked about the 20th anniversary of Sega Dreamcast, like all behind the scenes and stuff like that. And he did it because he felt comfortable talking to me because he'd done interviews with me. So yeah. that that's the thing that I, that it helped me to to get more opportunities uh, because of that, you know, so. Can I um, ask when you are interviewing people, like when I'm thinking of like Mm -hmm. a press junket for like a specific outlet, a lot of times they have like questions that they need to ask someone. And I feel like that's a lot of times Mm -hmm. when you get like, they're getting the same questions over and over again. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I watched your interview with Keanu Reeves and I've seen um, some others. And like you said, like you're more conversational. Do you have like, questions that you know you're going to ask or is it just kind of like trying to give yourself a guide but not following a strict like i have to ask all of these yeah it depends like sometimes depends the p pr that i'm working with because some of them they already know how i am so they're like don't even bother to ask me those those uh like yeah for them for me to send them questions but some of them do and what i do is like look i, I just sent them like a couple basic questions right and i tell them in that email, I'll be like, hey, look, depending on their answer, I'm going to ask all other questions, too, because I, I just love having conversations. I, I don't want to do just a typical interview, you know, so mm-hmm. um, and it's been working out like like that. I, and I, I think what is important, too, for for people that are up and coming journalists or content creators, it is important to to uh, build that trust with the people you're working with, because I think. Sometimes people break that trust and they will never get an opportunity ever again mm-hmm. because of that, you know, or like if they're, if people are breaking embargoes or, you know, I, sometimes yeah. I've done interviews where the, the head of the studio mentions something in the, in the interview that he's, this person is not supposed to say it. Right. And, um, PR might say, Hey, Danny, can you remove it? Or I noticed that I know he, he probably not supposed to say that. Right. I'll, I'll remove that from the interview because uh, one is you're, it's like a domino effect. You, you're, you're affecting everybody that's working on that project. You know what I'm saying? Like they already have everything yeah. planned out and, and I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up for, for that person and the team. Plus I don't want to also take advantage of the situation and make it as like a, like a clickbait. So people could just take out the, the interview and I get a lot of hits for like a certain amount of time. But right. Um, yeah. I've never been that type of person at doing that, man, that the, the whole breaking embargoes and stuff like that. Never. I think yeah. 
the I think one time, and this is like the early days when I started, because um, I didn't know. So I found out that um, a couple of my friends went to a event that was Xbox and MTV. They filmed this, I think it was like on Thursday night. And this was the reveal of the Xbox 360, right? They were going to premiere it like a week later. So I found out I got them on my show the next day because they said to, they, they mentioned to me that MTV wanted them to spread the word about it, right? Um, so they came to my show. They talked everything about what happened during the recording. What What is it, the stuff that they, they were going to show with Xbox and all kinds of stuff. And I had it up the podcast like maybe for like 30 minutes and i got a message from from the xbox team they were like danny can you remove this because you know we're supposed to launch this uh a week later but it was already too late everybody downloaded they had a different yeah at that time forums and and sites ign (laughs) had it up GameSpot, all the major outlets had it up already right and i got nervous i'm like it wasn't my fault one one group was telling me that mtv was telling him to spur the word but then Xbox didn't want that to go out. So it was like, I think at the end of the day, I think it was like a miscommunication. And mm-hmm. going through that at that time, it helped me not to make those mistakes again. You get what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I know it's like a long answer, but <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it's okay. That's, remember, you know, yeah. that, um, that is a topic that mm-hmm. we, as like on the PR side of things, we have a sure. lot with our clients. Um, just like, especially when we're working with, I want to say like content creators versus journalists for so long, like a lot of our clients have been so used to working with journalists. They know that they'll respect embargoes. Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes there's NDAs involved, but usually we try to avoid that just because we're like, look, we have our trusted folks. We know who to go to. And with the rise of like content creation and there's a lot of people, it's like, like Gamertag Radio or like you have the kind of funny talk show where it's like they kind of tote you told the line between journalists and content creator. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll have clients who are like, they're like very nervous to work with some of these people just because they're like, they know how there is some of them that are willing to break embargo and like mm-hmm. burn those bridges. But for us, like often we're advocating f- to work with these people. Cause we know like, 99.9% of them want to work with us. And if someone breaks mm-hmm. embargo, usually it's just, yeah, it's like miscommunication. Um, and so it's, I don't know, it's a learning, it's a learning curve, I think for a lot of people. So thank you for sharing like that side of things. Cause yeah, sometimes. Yeah, no, it is, a, it is important because, you know, um, especially me that I've been doing this for so long, I like to share that to those that are up and coming and, and the, they want to learn about this, you know, like I'm going to give you two stories and they're going to be very, very quick. But one story, I had a friend that was flying from Los Angeles to the East Coast. I think he was traveling to like either New York or Boston. Right. And there was a person next to him that has some very confidential uh, documents there on the plane, mm-hmm. right? Right next to him. And he got to see all kinds of stuff of games that was not wasn't announced dates and all that stuff. And he was just there, you know, and he actually called me when he landed. He's like, Danny, do you think it's a good idea for me to, to post that or anything like, or talk about it in my podcast? And I said to him, don't do it, man. Don't do it. Yeah. If I was you, if I was you contact the publisher or the company that 
that you know of the game and tell them what happened. Because I think that is going to help you to build that trust and companies are probably going to give you even more opportunities because of it. But if you start posting online and leak it just because you want to get that buzz for like 24 hours, right? That you're going to cause more damage doing that. So he did that. He contacted the, the company and, and told them like the person was that was in the plane. He was, this person was very uh, not careful showing mm-hmm. that. To the world, you know, um, and yeah. uh, ever since then, it helped him to build trust with a lot of other companies because of it too. You know, mm. so um, and and there was another one too where I was interviewing the the head of the studio that worked on Afro Samurai. I don't know if you guys remember that uh, cartoon oh. back then. I remember Afro the Samurai. game and oh. the show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So so for the game, I interviewed the folks that worked in the game. Right. So. I had him on our show, and this is like, I can't, I can't remember how long ago was this, but we had him on, and he started talking about working on part two. Part two is in pre-production, and this and this and that, and the, that wasn't announced at all. So I had someone that was there, PR, listening, and say, hey, Danny, can you remove that from the interview? And I go, sure, and I removed it, and I kept it for years. I'm talking about like, <laughs> maybe like eight nine years something like that right the original original audio recording and then part two was announced so then i used that as like a content from back then like hey unreleased audio this will happen and i explained it and i added it on the podcast and the fans were like oh my god this is awesome i didn't know you i didn't know you saved that for that long I'm like yeah <laughs> you know? what but a great I, memory I because i would have forgotten yeah. <laughs> No, I, I usually keep, I, I keep a lot of my recordings that I know is going <laughs> to people are going to talk about years from now. Like yeah, sometimes we'll yeah. go back and play audios from like the early days of like 2005, 2006, you know, stuff like that. And I'll play it so, or unreleased content, you know, just for yeah. fun, you know. So, uh, well, <laughs> I want to say to everybody who works in the games industry as like someone who has also sometimes had to work on a plane, get the privacy. Yeah privacy screen protectors yes that is wild <laughs> that they just had it open yeah. on the airplane yeah. you never know who's sitting yeah. next to you yeah and yeah, i'm not gonna say the name of the game but yeah that happens no yeah I, that's, I respect that <laughs> yeah oh i there's that infamous story of like the tomb raider game that leaked from somebody like working on a presentation on a train and yeah you're just like what are you th- what are you doing <laughs> why don't you have the blockers it, it, on I find that so irresponsible, man. Because you can't you can't blame the person that got to see it. You know, you gotta right. talk to the person that's actually sh- having their laptops on and, and showing the, all that confidential stuff, you know, to the world. So, yeah. And yeah. props to your friend for just reaching out and like just letting them know. Um, and I'm assuming mm-hmm. probably wasn't like a give me something in return or else I'm gonna talk about it. No, 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 no. It wasn't yeah, it wasn't like the that. The fact at that all, you no. said that it they w- had like good relationship makes me think they didn't do that. Cause I I'm not mm. gonna say who, but there have been circumstances where like people have come to like me personally and they're like, hey, I know about this thing. Like I, I want an interview or like I'm gonna talk about it. And it's like, well that's no way to build a relationship with one PR no. or a game developer. Like Mm-mm that you're just putting people in, in a terrible situation and it's never going to work in your favor. But I, like, I just, people are very hungry in this industry. And I know sometimes mm-hmm. they feel like to get ahead, like they have to resort to that. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it, it really is just worth like 
trying to build those relationships without don't burn bridges along the way. Yeah. And, and here, here's the thing too, like, you know, I work with a lot of P- PR agencies, you know, um, and one thing that I'm trying to change and, and it's kind of, it, it, it is hard because I have been having this conversation with a lot of people, but for me, sometimes, uh, I would like for the for the agency to know like it's not all about the numbers because I if let's say if if I start doing you know PR right what I would like to do is find creators or journalists that there's potential where maybe they have a a, a brilliant idea of of content that is probably going to go around and and get a great amount of people talking about it right instead of having a, a creator that has over let's say a million million followers mm-hmm. how many of those people from actually those followers are, are actually going to take action and buy that product you, you get what i'm saying so yeah. so like one day one day i i went up to ubisoft uh because they wanted me to interview the voice actors that worked on uh, far cry 5 i think it was and i said to them i want to do something different i don't want to just sit down and talk to the voice actors about the game how about this how about if we do like a drama series but for for the podcast where me and my team will will go to the to the fake hope county area <laughs> and we'll and we're actually gonna interview the characters from the game and and at the end the the villain the father his his cult uh people is going to go after us and capture us and and then the father's going to interview us at the end and they were like this is genius let's do it <laughs> and, we, and we recorded <laughs> and i released it like i released it like a month before a month before the the game came out so every week we had a new character every week right and then the last character oh. and then a week later after that the game came out and there was people that actually bought the game because of the content that we that we did and here's the crazy part we had no script. I had, there were certain things that they were not allowed to tell us. Like we straight up freestyled this thing, like not knowing anything what was going to happen, and it worked out great. <laughs> it worked out great. So <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. So it's called uh, Hope County Stories. Uh, for yeah, Hope County Stories on Gamer Tag Radio. It's it's like four episodes, but it's genius. It it came out so so good, so so good. We had special effects and everything. It was awesome. <laughs> I love that. That's so fun. And like you said, gets out of the kind of what we've been like hitting with each question of how rote and uh, repetitive, like a lot of interviews play out. What Mm -hmm. is your process or approach to planning for an interview? Uh, Like Gamertag just recently interviewed the devs of WrestleQuest or a couple weeks ago, like the team behind the new Prince of Persia game coming out next year. Uh, Mm -hmm. What does your research your planning process look like i know you talked about how you prep the interviewees themselves letting them know that like hey this is just a conversation like you know don't stress yourself out about me putting you in a tough spot um but what how do you get to that point how do you craft your questions etc cetera, etc cetera? it's it's funny that you mentioned that because what you mentioned prince of persia I didn't know that they were going to announce that game. I just found out and I just did the interview. So I had to like prepare myself oh, like awesome. on the spot, on the spot. Right. But again, because the relationship I built throughout the years from, you know, many companies, they already know how I work. So they'll give me the opportunity. So like, for example, um, I found out that 
um, there was a, a team that that were working on uh, Alan Wake Two. I found out during when they announced it, right? So uh, I was like, oh man, if if I have an opportunity to talk to Sam Lake, I I want to talk to him about the lore, about stuff that I always been having in my mind for a very, very long time. And I mentioned mm-hmm. that to to the to the uh, to the team that work in that game, and they gave me the opportunity. And I was like, of one of the small group of people that actually sat down with Sam Lake about you know Alan Wake two and everything. And and that was like an amazing conversation. It was like thirty minutes long of just us talking about everything about the game, right? And now, well, WrestleQuest, I got a copy of the game, I think it was like a month ago or so, because I was part of the preview of the game, and I kept the, I kept the, the full version, and, and then I had a, the opportunity to interview one of the wrestlers that is also in the game, too, uh, Jeff Jarrett. But I'm a huge wrestling fan, you know? So it depends on the situation. There's some you will find out on the spot, so you just got to work with whatever you have available at the moment. And some... If you're like personally for me, if you're a fan of that game, you are the perfect person to talk to the team that's working that game, right? I have I have uh, two other co-hosts where if they're excited for that game and I don't know much about it, I'd rather they interview the developers because they're excited. I want the excitement to go out to the listeners too, because imagine doing an interview and you're not excited about sitting down and doing an interview, you know, so they're, they're going to get that energy. You get what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. I always been doing that since day one, depending on, on the situation, you know? So sometimes there's stuff on the spot, on the spot. Sometimes you could just prepare for a very, very long time. So. So speaking of that day one, you were talking about going to the New York gaming events, explaining that you were in internet radio before, as you were in the beginning processes of building those relationships that you've now formed over the course of 20 years. What did those initial conversations look like? Did you find it hard to get those doors open to eventually like make it to the Xbox launch party and talk to Bill Gates? Yeah. So for the, the one in New York, it was easy. Uh, because I just showed up, they gave me the opportunity, and and I w- actually the event for Xbox they had a forty hour competition, so I was doing interviews and also trying to compete because I wanted to win a trip oh, to nice. to Cancun, and that never happened. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, um, Xbox it took a group of us to this private room, and they mentioned to us that they were they were going to surprise us with a, a console for everybody. I was like, oh my god, what? So. I had an Xbox, the original Xbox, way before retail, so uh, before it came out to stores. And then Xbox hit me up like a couple weeks later for me to talk to the press, to the major press, about my experience with the console. So they took us to Toys R Us, and that's how everything went down. But when I went to E3, E3 2005, this I think was May or June of 2005. I, I created a media kit where it was like a CD with my couple couple episodes in there. People could listen to like the top interviews. I had bio, pictures, everything. It's, I launched the podcast with my brother. Uh, his name is Nano, Daniel Peña. And every company that I talked to, everybody shut me down. They didn't want to talk to me. They didn't know what a podcast was. Uh, they they were like, what is your numbers? Tell us. And I gave them my my numbers. I thought it was pretty good at that time. And they're like, no. Nah. Mm-hmm. So um, I went back home. I felt like I wasted my time going to E3 back in 05. 
uh, because I feel like nobody couldn't they couldn't get it right. So two months after that, Steve Jobs they had a a press conference Apple right. They were promoting something. I can't remember what it was. I think it was like iPods or something like that. And they announced that they're adding podcasts to the platform to iTunes, and that's when everything just became like huge. A year later, every other company that I talked to the year before invited me, like, "Hey, Danny, let's work." And now they're like, "Now they know what a podcast is," you know. So the thing is with me, I love to not copy. I like to do new things, um, and I always been a leader when it comes to that stuff, right? Not a follower. So um, that's something that's been very, very helpful for me from since day one because of that, you know. So um, like sitting down interviewing so many people from the gaming industry was because that moment from 2001 by just going to the event ever since then look at that got all these opportunities because of it you know so and i think i think nowadays a lot of journalists and and content creators they want everything so fast they want to see they want to get game reviews right away they want to go to events right away and all this stuff and they're like nah it, it takes time you gotta you gotta first build your name out there, build a build a community. Because in the early days for me, I will go to the retail stores in Miami when there is like a, a new game coming out at that time during midnight, and people are there just waiting for for the game to come out, and I'm there passing out flowers, telling people to listen to my show, and that's oh, wow. how I got my name out there locally in Miami, and I did that also in New York, but also attending events outside of Miami because just staying home wasn't helpful for me like yeah i'll create content and i'll know i get an audience but i feel like by going outside now it helps me to network with other people too not only with mm-hmm. with pr but also publishers and, and other companies in general so so yeah i mean there's different ways to do it to, to get your name out there you know and also it helps you to to master your craft too you know so yeah yeah you I was not going to say like he didn't have Twitter at the time, but like, I feel like in-person networking is more impactful than mm-hmm. like sometimes doing it on social media, um, which is why like, I like meeting people in person, going to events like mm-hmm. E3 was not a thing, but yeah, at play days and I'll be at Gamescom later this month than PAX. Um, oh, must be nice traveling. <laughs> yeah. Except I, I come back. Um, on a Monday, I am sleeping for three days and then I fly to Seattle to go to PAX West, <laughs> but That's, it'll be hey, fun. Look, you know, I, like I tell people, I tell people that, look, I know at the moment you're like, oh my God, this is stressful, but enjoy that, yeah. man. Cause not that many people can say, Hey, look, I went to Germany. I went to so-and-so, you yeah, know, so like, no, I, I'm always, I'm always thankful, man. Like I've been to events where I see journalists angry and upset that they're there. I'm like. Are you crazy? Oh. Like this is there, there's people that would love to be in our shoes to do this, you know, yeah. to to travel around the world to to work, you know, with multiple gaming companies or covering a game like that. That yeah. has always been a dream for me since I was a kid. You know, getting those old school magazines. I'm like, man, one day I'm going to go to E3. I'm going to make it happen. You know, so and look, and oh, I made I it happen. It. I finally, I finally went to E3. That was like a dream come true for me. You know, so. But yeah, yeah. I'm always been thankful about that stuff. Always, always. Oh, I you you gotta be. I this will be the first time I'm leaving the country that was not Canada. Uh, so I've been to like <laughs> Canada, but I used to live in Michigan, so it was like 
a 40 minute drive and across a bridge. And then I was like, it's like right there. So I'm not <laughs> right. So like, it doesn't really count. So uh, yeah, going to Germany is like my first time really out of the country. So that's yeah, awesome. I don't know. Congrats. It's, I've Congrats. feel really like blessed to be able to work in this industry and get to, mm-hmm. yeah, go to events and just meet really cool people and all geek out honestly about yeah. things that we love which is games yep 100% Danny I love the story of, of you passing out the flyers at the midnight launch parties which in our age of digital media I, I, I greatly miss I think the only one I ever got to participate in was Smash Brothers Brawl um, back in what probably what 2007 2008 um, mm-hmm. but how tell me about that like those interactions what were were people eager to check this out like how did you know that there was an appetite? I mean, I guess you knew because you were a gaming fan yourself that that need wasn't being met, building that community of knowing that, you know, people want to hear people talk about games. You know, you know what helped me? It helped me in high school when I was a hip hop promoter. I mastered how to promote, right? So mm-hmm. I'll, I know where, where people, the gamers are going to be at, right? So they're going to be at stores. So I'm like, all right, Halo 2 is coming out. Let me just go to the store and just promote and mention to them about the podcast. But something else I, I used to do is I, when I'll go to the store, I have my recorder and I'll start doing interviews with people because I know they're going to mention to their friends and family that mm-hmm. they're also on our podcast, you know? So that's another way mm-hmm. that helps me to promote. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was great. I love doing that. Like even when every time I'll go to like a different city, I'll mention it on our podcast, like, hey, I'm going to be at, let's say, Cleveland or New York or whatever, right? Uh, Texas, I'll mention Houston or something like that, right? People people will hit me up privately through email and we'll do meetups in different cities. So, like, when I got my, my Hall of Fame award, I invited my community to come with me to the awards. And I went, I, this is my first time meeting them. Uh, we went to the red carpet. Uh, we went, like, we sat right in the front row of the awards. And when I got my award, I went on stage. They were the first people that I thank, you know, because mm-hmm. they're a reason why I've been uh, getting all, all these opportunities and the, the podcast has been doing great, you know, because of their support, you know? So I think that's something that's very important to me to show that to companies because, you know, it's easy to get, just get downloads, right. To get, those numbers and everything like that. But I always mention to people like how many people that listen to the, your content or watch your, your show on YouTube or whatever, or read your, 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 your site, how many of those people are actually taking action? Like if you tell them buy this game, they'll go and buy it. Right. So like for us pre YouTube, we will talk about games and that we're excited for and people will buy the game without even seeing video. They just buy it mm-hmm. because they heard me and my team talk about the game, you know? So mm-hmm. like, that's something that's really, really hard in my opinion to do, like to get people to actually take actions like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I think that's something that's been helpful for me, um, to connect with our, with our community since day one. Um, for and sure. Because I did that in the early days to my hip hop scene back then, you know? So I love the connection between the hip hop promoting and that. And it's like you said at the beginning about, 
you know, if you were to go to the PR side, rightfully identifying, it's not just about the size of the creator or the outlet. It's, it's the passion of the community behind it. And are they actually just checking in because they have a, a viral video or because they want something comedic or because they really value the recommendation and the, you know, the cultural taste uh, the hosts or the outlet has um, tell t- like, as you built that community, what memories stick out? Like, was there a certain moment that clicked that this is really resonating with a large group? And because again, you were at the forefront of before it was even called podcasting. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you one that happened during during the pandemic, something that it this was like a once in a lifetime opportunity. So uh, we're, you know, still in the pandemic. I was in New York City and Microsoft gave me an opportunity. They sent me an Xbox Series X over a month before it came out. So I got it like September 30th or October 1st or something like that. And the system came out mid-November, right? Mm -hmm. So the embargoes were very, very strict. Like every week there were certain things we we were allowed to talk about, right? So I wanted to do something different. I knew that everybody was going to, you know, have like previews, talk about the specs and all this stuff, right? I was like, no, I want to do something very different. I'm going to contact Microsoft and I'm going to ask them to see if it's possible for me to surprise a health care worker that is a huge a huge follower, a huge fan of our, of our show. And I want him to be the first consumer in the world to get hands-on playing the Xbox Series X, right? So... I was working at a studio in New York and uh, we got the venue and everything. We had cameras in everywhere. And I told them, oh, we're going to have a private meetup, a very small group. Just come over here, wear your mask and everything. Just come and we're going to meet other people from, from the GTR community, right? He's like, all right. So he comes to the studio and it was only him and, and, the, and the production crew. And we recorded his reaction I surprised him and I told him, look, you have an hour to play uh, any game you want on the, the the console, the Xbox Series X. You're the first person in the world to to get this opportunity. Let's do it. And I let him play. And he got emotional. He's like, wow, I wasn't ready for this, right? So um, he started playing for like an hour. Uh, then at the end, we gave him like some gifts, uh, headset. Uh, we gave him a year of like Xbox Game Pass, something like that. So we gave it to him. And that was something that he mentioned to me after he goes, Danny, this is wild, man. My first day that I started working at the hospital was the the second day or the first day when the city got shut down because of COVID. I was like, what? And I had no idea. I found this out after this all happened, right? So I posted the video online, not knowing what was going to happen. And that video went viral, like major press picked it up. Uh, everybody was talking about it on social media. They were like, this is something different. And, and again, that's something that I wasn't thinking, oh, I know this is going to get a lot of views. I was more thinking about giving back to mm-hmm. the people that was protecting us in New York City mm-hmm. during that time. And I knew he was going through a lot, but I didn't know he started working there the day of the city got shut down. Oh. You know? So it was like, it, it was, it was like meant to be type thing, you know? So, yeah. Um, we posted it and yeah, everybody was talking about it. Microsoft was hitting me up. Like they had a lot of the marketing team. They had no idea I was going to do this. It was only 
from the PR side, a very small group of people knew about this. They gave they gave me the green light to do it. You know, so again, it's building that trust and try something try something new. You know, maybe you get yeah. the the okay from from the PR agency or whoever. You know, so who never you never know. You never yeah. yeah you never no, hurt to ask. What a, what a cool <laughs> moment yeah. and yeah as. As someone who was also in New York City when the pandemic started um, mm-hmm. and then fled because it was so bad. I like I lived down the street from a hospital and I saw every day just the toll that it took on the city and the people. And I can only imagine how much that moment meant for yeah. him. And like that's something oh, like me- you didn't have to do, but like you just no. you care about your your community and mm-hmm. I feel like that's that's what sets a lot of people apart too is a f- genuine care. And you know what? Ever since that day, um, now he's been involved in local local gaming events. So, like, mm-hmm. just recently, there was an event in New York City where there was like a lot of independent uh, developers showing their games and everything like that. And he was there helping out helping out with the event you know so like uh mm-hmm. he's been doing that a lot ever since uh ever since we met he's been creating content trying to help as many uh people as possible there's like awards in new york the game awards new york game awards mm-hmm. the video game awards over there and um and yeah he was uh, also helped out with the team there and everything you know and that was really cool to see man from him so that's cool thank you for sharing that story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of building a community, and you mentioned your team, tell us about your team. Like, what is the the gamer tag crew now? How did it? You know, when did Paris and in? Uh, forgive me. Um, my mind's blank because I'm mid podcast. Yes, Peter. Peter Toledo. <laughs> yeah. So with Paris, and this is funny because uh, Paris found out about me um, because he saw the. The interview that I did about the Xbox 360, the the leak, <laughs> he saw it. Uh, uh, what was it on Team Xbox, the forums, um, and we just stayed in touch. He was hit, he he will hit me up sometimes just like to get advice for because he also launched a show during that time in like around 2006 or so. And uh, ever since then, we became really really good friends. And then um, fast forward, he retired, and I quote retire from 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 being a podcaster and then i invited him on our show to talk about bioshock infinite and uh, we had a great conversation it was me and my older crew and everybody loved the the review they were like man paris should just join you guys like this is like the perfect fit so i mentioned to paris like hey you would like to join he's like well i'll, I'll do it part-time you know once in a while I'll record He's been recording ever since. Like he not stopped traveling with me and everything. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I actually um, I invited him and also my uh, other co-host Peter Taylor to my wedding because they always been they're like my brothers, you know. So now with Peter Toledo, his wife used to work with me back in the days when I used to be at uh, used to work at uh, Discovery Channel. So she mentioned to me. Oh, I, my boyfriend at that time, my boyfriend, he's a huge gamer too. Uh, can we go to your house? Cause I know you're going to have a meetup. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And it was because I had 
an early copy of Guitar Hero 3 for the Xbox 360. Yes. So he said he's he loves guitars, right? So he showed up and we started talking about games and we became really, really close. So he told me straight up, hey Danny, I would like to be part of GTR. How can I be part of it? And I'm like, all right, let me think about it and we'll see. So then I got an opportunity to go to an EA event. It was like a spring showcase or something like that. This is like an 06. No, actually, no, this was in 07 or 08 around there. And it was uh this is like the show the first time they're showing Death Space, I think. So um I mentioned to Pete, I go, hey Pete, look, I'm gonna test you. I'm gonna send you to this event because I, I I'm not gonna go. I want you to go and I want you to record interviews, everything. And if you do a pretty good job, you're John GTR. He's like, all right, this is like his first event. He's never been to none of these, none of the type of events like this, right? So he was super nervous. And he did a great job, did interviews, record, video recording, everything. And I'm like, all right, Pete, Pete's ready to work. And ever since then, <laughs> we became good friends. <laughs> and he's been part of the show. Now he lives in, in uh, uh, is it Swiss? yeah, Switzerland. Um, but we still we still stay in touch. We record every week together. So, uh, but yeah, that's how what, they joined What DTR. time of day do you have to record to record with someone from Switzerland? So, yeah, so for me... And Paris, because we both live in Los Angeles. So yeah. I record at 7.30 in the morning. And for, for P, it's like, that's like Gosh. already evening for him. Yeah. So that's how we do it. That's true friendship. Man, that <laughs> really yeah. is. Yep. I, I could not imagine doing this podcast at 7.30 in the morning because even like, I usually am like up around then, but like my brain isn't on until like 9 a.m. <laughs> I'm an and early even bird. I love to work I'm early. I'm not. <laughs> I am like the yeah. late, like night owl. Oh, yeah. That's that's dedication and friendship. All right. <laughs> so for gamer tag, one of the you know coolest milestones about it is the first uh, gaming podcast or uh, to hit a thousand episodes. Correct. First, first gaming podcast to hit a thousand episodes. Yep. And for that, you in Paris interviewed head of Xbox Phil Spencer. How did tell us about how that had come about? I know you had both spoken with Phil at, at E3s, and I imagine, like you said, had built a relationship with him over that time. And was it something he was down to help celebrate with you all? Yeah. So we interviewed Phil. The last time I interviewed him before that was in 2014. This is like his. First E3 as the head of Xbox. Uh, so they hit me up and they wanted me and Paris to, to interview him, to talk to him about the future of the company, you know, all that stuff. And that, that went well. Great conversation. Um, but then when we were getting close to episode 1000, and this is like the year before, I talked to Paris and I'm like, man, I got to do something different for the 1000 episode. It got to be something big. Do you think I should get Phil? And Paris like, yeah, I think you should. You should definitely get him. I'm like, man, man, to get that approved, that's gonna take. I don't know, man, because usually we re- we request to have Phil on and they decline. I'm like, I don't want to go through that stuff again, you know. So, and I get it. I totally, totally get it, right? So I hit up Microsoft and I explained to him like, look, first gaming podcast to hit a thousand. This is like a major milestone. Nobody has ever done this before. We would love to have Phil. So. I hit them up, I think it was May, the year before, right? Wow. So 
it took months, months, months. Then we're getting close to November. And I'm like, let me hit them up. And they were like, oh, we're busy. Uh, we'll stay in touch. I was like, oh, my God. December passed by already. <laughs> it was the first week of January. And I get an email saying, Danny, we got we got this approved. I'm like, what? Okay. So this is this is it. This is it. But here's a here's a crazy thing. The month before, Phil was on stage at the Game Awards and talked about and then per- revealed the new console, Xbox Series X. Right? That was December, early December. So I was like, there's no way we're gonna have Phil. There's no way. This is everybody wants to get him because of the console and everything. The the new consoles is coming out next year. It's gonna be tough. January, early January of that year, we made it happen. They said, yeah, we're going to do it. Phil was, I think, in Japan with Sarah Bond. And in the middle of the night, I'm getting, my phone was just like going, like it was just buzzing, 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 buzzing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? So I checked and uh, my crew and I, we have like a private chat on WhatsApp. So I look at it and Peter, because he lives in, in Europe, so he sees every. It's, it's early mm-hmm. for him over there, right? It's like during the day. He's like, "Oh my God, Phil gave us a shout out on Twitter," and I'm like, "What?" And I go, and he said, "I'm gonna be on the 1,000 episode of Gamertag Radio. Congratulations to Danny, Pete, and Paris." I was like, "What?" The tweets replies. My phone was just nonstop, nonstop, <laughs> just right. So, so we did the interview. This was. Um, January of 2020, the end of January, and I released it on our 15th anniversary of GTR. Um, and this was like a month before COVID, a month before the pandemic started, right? So we released it, and that's when everything changed. Like we were like in a pretty, pretty high, well known level, right? But that yeah. was like next, that took us to the next level because of that interview. One, because we had a great conversation. Microsoft didn't ask us to send them questions at all to interview uh, Phil. They were like, you could ask him whatever you want. I'm like, all right, we're going to ask him a lot of things. So, <laughs> so yeah, we it, the conversation was so good. It helped us to get our name even out there even more. And because of that interview, it also helped me to get Reggie on our show a year later. Um, because I've been I've been trying to get Reggie for like ten years, and Nintendo was always declining, and mm-hmm. I'm he saw the buzz what happened everything with Phil, and I remember I tweeted out something man one day I want to interview I want to interview Reggie that will be like a dream for me to interview him, <laughs> and Reggie replied back and said hey we should make it happen I'm like wait what what so <laughs> where's this what, took- a, what a Reggie <laughs> move yo crazy so. It took a year, so I had him on our 16th anniversary of GTR. But here's the crazy thing about that interview. That interview was so good because we talked about like him growing up in the Bronx. Um, he was like, Danny, I got robbed with my brother. And I'm like, Reggie Fiza me talking about him getting robbed. I've never heard of this. Like, <laughs> never from Reggie. <laughs> it's always it's always been the business Reggie, but I never it was never a the human Reggie, right? So mm-hmm. That conversation was so good that months later, actually, no, a year later, you know, they're starting having like in-person events again, right? So uh, Gainsby hit me up, the team over there, 
they were like, Danny, Reggie requested for you to be on his fireside chat with him mm-hmm. on stage as a part of the keynote. And I'm like, wait, what? Oh, my God. He's like, yeah, they, he just loved the conversation you had with him. And we, we continue our conversation on stage, part of the keynote at an industry event. And that was like, wow, to me, right? So mm-hmm. then after that, I took him to the studio. This is when I used to work at G4. And and he cause he was promoting his book too. Uh, but uh, that was like a dream come true for me. I was like, man, this is crazy. you know. And all because that interview I did with Phil. Like it, it was just, everything just blew up after that. you know. So, so I appreciate yeah. the support that everybody gave me and, and gave the crew uh, to do like opportunities like that. Yeah. Cool full circle moment. Like one of your first industry things being the xbox launch event and then the big 1000 celebration being with the head of xbox it's so cool yeah groundbreaking (laughs) that's crazy (laughs) yeah speaking of uh full circle moments while we're talking about interviews there's just a few more i wanted to ask about like given Mm. your hip-hop promoter background and the as we've talked about just the growing nature of the games industry and more celebrities getting involved like you've gotten to speak with snoop dogg run dmc tribe called quest was that a surreal moment to be talking with hip-hop artists again but for gaming yeah that was wild that was very very wild so with snoop it was during the it was like super bowl weekend they invited me to go to an event that he was uh uh playing against another I think it was a baseball player for charity and they were playing Madden. So I got mm-hmm. interviewed him, interviewed him there where, where DMC was wild from DMC from DMC. So I was at an event at E3. I think it was a Xbox booth and I was playing Gears of War and he was right next to me. I didn't, I had no idea. I turned around. I'm like, what? This guy's <laughs> playing Gears of War right next to me. And I told him, yo, I would love to interview him. He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And we had a great conversation. I would tribe. I inter- so here's a crazy part about Trico Quest. So I interviewed Trico Quest back in 1998 for a hip hop hip hop uh, newspaper in Miami, and this is the year where they broke up. They were like, "This is our last album. That's it, no more." And it was Five Dog, uh, rest in peace. He passed away, but uh, I was I actually interviewed him in 1998, and then fast forward, 2K Games reunited Trico Quest, and they went on tour. And they were part of the soundtrack of the M- one of the NBA game, uh, NBA 2K games. And I was supposed to interview Q-Tip and Five together. But I don't know what happened. Q-Tip just left. And I just ended <laughs> up talking with Five. But Five is more of a gamer. Like, he he loves sports. He loves video games. So we we talked about that and everything. It was a great conversation. And it was, it was like, again, full circle. I interviewed them. When the group was ending, and then when they got reunited years later, mind blowing. Uh, <laughs> so that one was a pretty good one. Um, I interviewed. I almost. I almost had opportunity to interview Eminem, but super oh. last minute. Super oh. last minute. His label, actually, no. His manager said no. His label wanted me to do it because I the way how I pitched it, they loved it, man. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, Met the man and Red Man. I was supposed to interview them together. But BBC grabbed Metaman at E3 and took him away, and I ended up only with <laughs> with a Red Man, and they were there promoting, <laughs> uh, I think one of the karaoke games with Def Jam, and nice. that was a great conversation. I have so many, I have so many artists I interviewed, I just can't remember. But Roaring <laughs> G, uh, Be Real from Cypress Hill, De La Soul, 
Keras One interviewed him twice, uh, all for gaming, all gaming related. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think uh, who else I was supposed to interview. Um, Logic, I was supposed to interview him. Oh, nice. Years back. Mm-hmm. He's a big gamer. Yeah. yeah. Mac Miller, that's another one too. Yeah, it was a lot. Recipes. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the uh the tribe vinyl uh over your left shoulder and I was like, oh I gotta ask about that. <laughs> oh, wait, which let me see. I have yeah, I have the that's Midnight Marauders and I have actually a case. Actually, hold on, let me go get it real quick. Two seconds, two seconds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sam, I don't know how you have like the eagle eye where you notice everything. I like I th- cannot <laughs> see. <laughs> There's so something about this. the tribe is, artwork that's oh that's so yeah. cool. Oh wow. So this is a very small box. It's from Lauren Theory. And these are like little records from oh, like their my. singles. Yeah. Wow, and this is rare. They only made like a couple of these. Yeah. So that's really cool, man. Like, see? And it has like oh. artwork and everything. Yeah. So Yeah, that's uh that would be a prized possession for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, I have like these are the type of things I love to collect. Yeah, <laughs> good eye though, man. I know you saw the <laughs> the other regular vinyl. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, I was lo- just telling him when you went to grab it. I was like, every time he has like such a good eye and he notices the tiniest things in people's background. <laughs> oh, I, I, Me, have, I have I a lot of blurred. stuff in the background. Yeah, I have a lot of cool stuff. So. In, I mean, we can, I would love to talk about all the interviews, I, but we won't take up much more of your time. Is there a dream mm-hmm. either on the game side, like dev or studio, mm-hmm. or on like the celebrity partnership side, uh, like an artist that could work with a game that you have on your interview bucket list? Um, man, I have a lot. Other than Eminem. So, <laughs> yeah, other than Eminem. No, honestly, you know, I've, I've been doing now for like the past couple of years, I've been doing a lot of speaking engagements. and at conferences but also i've been doing it um and talking to different companies like for like internal for like their employees and stuff so like i did one for uh amazon games last year uh there's another company i can't say who it is that it was like a dream come true made that happen that was really cool and i talked to the whole i'm talking about the whole company that was amazing and i want to start doing that more with other companies and just talk to them about why diversity is very, very important, like having people to tell our stories in games or, or having, you know, other people to be part of the industry and part of like the team when it comes to like marketing, PR or like development. Cause I think it's very, very important man, to do that. You know, like there's people that um, might have different ideas that is probably going to be different than, than people that have been in, in the industry for a very long time. And I just love sharing that. And, um, I've been talking to a lot, a lot of companies. I think there's going to be a couple that I'm going to be talking um, uh, sometime next month that hopefully I could mm-hmm. talk about in the future. But I want to do more of that. I think that's, to me, yeah. that's very, very important because I want to, I really want to change the industry when it comes to that stuff. And another thing is talking to kids. Um, I've been speaking to a lot of like young folks from like all the way from like elementary school, middle school, high school, college about also uh, achieving their dreams and everything like that. Um, and I'll always share my story to them because I think, you know, when I, when I was growing up in New York city, like I had like no mentor, how to, how to do this, how to get in the industry. I did everything on my own, everything, 100%. Right. But having people like Paris and Pete 
we were helping each other to get into the industry. Now, now that we've been in the industry for so long and the industry is a lot different than, than it used to be back then, now it is important for us to give back and and help others to also achieve their dreams and be part of the industry too, you know, and, and different things, you know. So not only in content creation side, but like one day I was uh, with my wife and I was telling her that I wanted to surprise my mom one day. Uh, I was telling her, man, one day I'm going to have a billboard in Times Square. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make this happen. I'm just going to, I'm going to figure it out. And she was telling me, no, Danny, I think what is important is for you to share that online and manifest it. I was like, what? Manifest that? No way. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I posted it on Twitter because she told me to do it. <laughs> and so I did it. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to surprise my mom and my dad. I want to surprise them and I want them to see the billboard of me in Times Square. I think it was like a couple hours later, I got an email from a message from Twitch and they were always been having like, um, I think like they were in black history month, Hispanic history month. Mm-hmm. They would have like campaigns and they'll get creators from Twitch to be part of the campaign. And they wanted me to be part of the campaign. But at that time when it hit me up, I had no idea that it was for the billboards, right. For in times square. So then later they started asking me, Danny, we want you to be part of this billboard, send us pictures, tell us the images that you would like to see, like graphics and stuff like that. And I told them, put a mic, because that represents podcasting, put something over New York, because that's my hometown, born and raised in New York. And also, I want you to put the Dominican flag there. And they were like, why? And I'm like, the reason why I put that there is because the show especially the young kids that are Latinos that live in Latin America or in the Caribbean or even in the States that is possible to achieve your dreams, you know? So I show that to them and guess what? I surprised my mom and I I surprised my dad. I took him, especially my mom, I took her to, um, to Times Square and she broke down, broke down completely once she saw that. She had no idea that that was going to happen. So when she saw me in four different billboards, my God, I, it was like the best feeling in the world. Best feeling yeah, in the world. Yeah, what a surreal moment. Oh. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, yep. the power of manifesting and honestly, like part of our job is to like be on like Twitter and see what like people are talking about. And like, mm-hmm. I don't have anything that compares to that. But like, yeah, sometimes I see something and I'm like, oh, this is, that's what someone wants to do. And I'm like, how can I help make that happen? Like, but you know what? Believe it or not, it doesn't have to be a billboard, right? It doesn't have to be that. Right. But but you you guys just giving the opportunity on a con like a up and coming contract creator that have never gotten a review code, let's just say, mm-hmm. or never got an opportunity to interview someone that worked in the game, you know, or or even access to get a press release or something, whatever. Like that's yeah, that's something where they're like, oh my god, it is possible for me to start connecting with people, you know, like when I, when I see somebody that's up and coming and they have a lot of potential, you know what I do? I introduce them to like other PR folks. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, look, this person, I see them making moves. I can see them doing big things, work with them, you know? Yeah. And I don't look at the numbers, nothing. I'm more of like focus on their talent and how they are as a human being too. You know? So I think that's something that I wish more people will do that. 
and give other people an opportunity in the future, you know, instead of, yeah. you know, the usual business, you know, it, it's cool to do your business, but give back once in a while if you can. <laughs> yeah. Like it's human connection is I think more important than anything. And I, yeah. something that like, I'm going to shout out an ex professor from my college. Her name's Adrian Wallace at Grand Valley state university. She has been like, lately reaching out to me when she has like a student that she's like, Oh, that's like interested in PR and video games. Mm -hmm. And she's like, they have a lot of a talent. She has like sent them my way. And I just like love talking about what it is I do and like trying to introduce people into this industry because I genuinely did not know this industry existed, which is in hindsight, how could I not? But I just didn't think it was possible to work in games and mm. we actually have a triple pointer who she joined us that way because her professor was like, you have to talk to Caitlin Redwing and her, um, her name's Haley. She was actually on a few episodes ago. Um, and just like, I don't know, it, it's just such a joy to be able to talk to students and like, who, like, this is what they want to do. And if I can help in some way, like that's, that's all I want to do is be able to like, get people give people a chance and help them when mm -hmm. for a long time this industry and even now feels like very hard to get into and it's all about like who you know um because mm -hmm. like even for myself i've talked about it on this podcast like how i got into this industry was just like quinn who's a partner at our company saw me on like twitter talking about games with people who worked in the industry and i wasn't in games i was working in New York, uh, I was doing PR for technology. Um, and he was like, you like, obviously have such an interest in games, like, let's chat. And if he had not just like reached out, I, I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be working in this industry. Mm -hmm. No, and, and actually, I met him. <laughs> it was it uh, at Dice for the first time we worked for years. Yes. <laughs> for years. Yeah, shout out to him. Oh, he's great. <laughs> um, if you ever yeah. run into him again, which I'm sure you will, um, go to karaoke with Quinn Wageman. He to anybody who's ever oh, karaoke? Comes across All right. him, karaoke, he is the king yeah. of karaoke. Um, and yeah, he's a blast and just a very like talented individual, and I learn a lot from him every day. Yeah, good people. Yeah, pay it forward for sure. Danny, you mentioned that you brought up something that kind of links to the last thing I wanted to ask you about um, mm -hmm. sharing your story with kids, making sure that they know this career. And like Caitlin mentioned, like just letting them know that <laughs> this exists and is out there. And if you believe in it to go for it, uh, you shared that story of via a children's book that came out about a year ago. Uh, Danny loves video games. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell our listeners about it. Where can people find it? What inspired the creation of the book? Yeah, so my cousin, uh, his name is uh, Mr. Luna. He, well, him and, and, and his wife, they have a company where they do a lot of children's books. It's called Two Quality People. And when I was visiting visiting the family in Miami, he came up to me and and, and gave me the idea about uh, creating a children's book about my life. And I was like, let's do it. I love this idea. We should definitely do it. And it took, it took uh, almost a year. Right. Um, so he would ask me questions um, about stuff that he didn't know. Um, and we talked about that, about me growing up, getting my first gaming console that my grandmother gave me, the Atari 2600. 
back in 1983. And I talked about that. And also, it, it talks about when I was playing all the time, playing video games all the time. And my dad would say, Danny, you're wasting your time. Why are you playing video games, right? You should go outside, do this, do that. Like, you know, this is like in the early, early days where where gaming wasn't accepted back then, like how it is now, right? So mm-hmm. um, my mom on the other side, she she was more of like always supporting me, no questions asked. She was the one that got me the original Nintendo, Super Nintendo, right? And also helped me to build a business in Dominican Republic when I was a, a teen. Um, I rented out a venue, a small office, and I was charging people for them to play with my Super Nintendo Sega Genesis games per controller. I'll charge them like uh, f- for like 30 minutes, 15 minutes or in like an hour. And I made a lot of money doing that. <laughs> Nobody was doing that at that time. So I got so much money that I bought a, a motorcycle and everything like that. So and that was my first nice. gaming business back in the early 90s when I was at the early, early teens. But mm-hmm. see, again, my mom never asked questions, but my dad was like wasting your time, this and this and that. And then I started doing podcasting and he was like, what is this? Like what, you know, he wasn't, he just couldn't see the picture. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's the reason why now he's a huge supporter. Like he's always talking about me to everybody and everything like that, like nonstop. But that's the reason why I made that book is because I want to show parents that if a kid, if their kid have a dream to support them, not, um, shut them down, like the experience that I had back in the days, you know. So, in the book, it talks about that, like how I started with with gaming, how I started my business with Gaming Tag Radio, and where I'm at now. Uh, and and the message at the end of the day is that dreams do come true, you know. So that's that's the reason why I did that, you know. So I uh, been doing a lot of speaking engagements in schools in Miami, and we also had a huge event um, when the book got released last year. And it was like a sold out, sold out event. Parents came with their kids. Uh, we signed, I signed the book, and also my cousin too. And and uh, we did like a cool presentation and Q and A and everything with the kids. It was mm-hmm. awesome, really, really fun. So, but yeah, the book is available on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, and also Walmart. All online, people could just go and just mm-hmm. buy it. Uh, we have it in English and in Spanish. I love it. That's very cool, and. To be at a school event like that um, and just like, I don't know, the energy of the room. I can only imagine how uh, contagious that was. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Amazing. Like, uh, I remember um, the last event I I, uh, went to a school and it was a bunch of kids, black and brown kids, man, that uh, it was like a very... um, um, a poor area in Miami. So we were like, let's get back. Let's just go to like a school that these kids need that support from, from, from us, you know? So, um, and we spoke and man, it was like a standing ovation. All the kids were excited, asking a lot of questions about games and, oh man, it was, it was good, man. And I wish, I wish I had that type of opportunity when I was a kid, man, it would have been a totally different conversation for me. Even I, It would have been a, a lot different for me, I think, back then. But, you know, giving back, oh, man, I'm going to, I'm still going to be doing this, man. Uh, giving back as many, as many yeah. people as possible, man. You know, so oh. it was great. Great feeling in the world. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Keep doing that. Like, thank you for doing that. I, I'm seeing like a trend and kind of how you, 
have approached pretty much everything in your life when it comes to like promoting and speaking where like you're really meeting people where they are because like Mm -hmm. you know if if you didn't go to like kids in a school like they just they wouldn't see it they're not on amazon like searching like kids books like (laughs) about video games Mm -hmm. and their parents aren't Mm -hmm. like actively looking for that so you're you're going to them like when you're promoting you're like oh i need to go to like the midnight releases where gamers are like you're Mm -hmm. it's i feel like a lot of people don't see that and they're just like putting things out kind of in the void and expecting people to come to them but like you have Mm -hmm. to put in the work and go to them to yeah i don't i don't wait i don't wait for people to find me Uh, i'll go and find the people it's always been like that that always been my model since day one (laughs) and uh and yeah it worked out it worked out for me you know so yeah (laughs) well for now i know you will continue going out and finding the people but to end this episode we'll ask where can the people find you uh where uh anything you want to promote of course where's gamertag radio where's the book yeah, uh, people can find me on you know Twitter or X. I don't know if you want to call it whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me there, Godfrey. Um, also, you can listen to Gamertag Radio. We're in every podcast app out there. Just search for Gamertag Radio. Make sure to follow us, uh, subscribe, or post a review if you can. Um, and yeah, just yeah, check out the book if you ever get the chance to you know go over there and, and check it out. And uh, yeah, let me know your thoughts. You got to to read the book and everything, and um, just that. Um, right now, I've been doing a lot of side side projects, side gigs. I started partnering with Brassline Entertainment, a uh, very diverse studio. Um, they've been doing a lot of things, not only from gaming but other projects too. Um, so I've been working with them now for ooh, a couple of weeks now. So that's been been very exciting, and I've been doing also like consulting speaking agents from like mm-hmm. for other gaming companies too uh so i'm very talented i do everything all kinds of stuff not just the podcast you know the podcast is like the fun part the other stuff is just like very very different <laughs> than this, you yeah know, so. I, this is the perfect yeah. like um platform to talk about that though because i know like a lot yeah. of our listeners were very like industry focused so we have people mm-hmm. who work at those companies so yeah if you're in the market to continue doing more consulting work like definitely people reach out to danny um yeah as he mentioned Hit me up you can find him on whatever. twitter or x <laughs> if that's what you want to call it i'm gonna yeah. continue to call it twitter but no always I twitter mean, in my heart it's always it's twitter. twitter twitter always twitter, twitter for life twitter for life yeah <laughs> i this, yeah. this is so random you know the power wash simulator game yes love that yes, game they game is posted, awesome they posted i me too they posted on their twitter of like it was the x logo and it was like someone power washing it away and then the twitter logo was there and i was like that's genius funny. that that's that genius and funny genius, <laughs> genius level shade was thrown yep. from the power wash yep. and people yep uh, well, speaking of Twitter, you can find this show there uh, at Real Time Strats. Find it on YouTube at that handle as well, Real Time Strats. Email us, email us questions at podcast at triplepointpr.com. Danny, thank you so much again for your time and for bearing through the technical difficulties that are, you <laughs> know, our good. viewers will never know true what we truly what we had to go through. <laughs> no, it was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for for the conversation. This was a lot of a lot of fun, and we talked about a lot yeah. of things that. 
barely talked about another show so it was good for you guys so there you oh, go. <laughs> i'm glad yeah and oh yes. i meant to bring it up earlier but also congrats and good luck i know you're you and your wife are about to have a baby I think yes baby girl you, baby girl. <laughs> yeah baby girl congrats i was like she i don't think she's given birth yet so yeah yeah, yeah that's congrats that'll be something in november sometime in november that's yeah, uh, november okay yeah yeah i i can't wait that's it's, gonna be very exciting very exciting. I'm excited. Well, congrats in advance. <laughs> yeah. Right. Shout, shout, to, um, shout out to my wife, Rihanna. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can find her. She's uh, what's she's often on like What's Good Games. and Yeah. What's Good um, Games. And she also works at uh, Zebra Partners. So she's a creator and also also works with PR and marketing agency. Uh, you can. Yep. Sam already said where you can find the podcast. You can find me on Twitter, Blue Sky Threads, all the I hate it. All of the apps at Keelan Redwing. <laughs> um, <laughs> until one of them reigns supreme. <laughs> I am likewise on those things at Sam Scott Mosher. Uh, so until next time, uh, Danny, thank you once again for your time. And thank you all so much for listening.